everybody, it's Chad with I Want to Know, and we brought in our new friend, Ian Aman. Did I pronounce that properly? Pretty close. Pretty close? I get, like, no one ever gets the last name right. It's, yeah. we say Ammon, so. Amen. okay. But it doesn't look like that. I get Aman, <laughs> Amen, anything close. We know what it is. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Ian is a, a dad, a husband, a marathon runner, an author. Uh, you've done um, a documentary that you're releasing very, very soon, um, and you're a coach. Did I miss anything? That's probably the, the biggest highlight reel for yes. sure, yeah. Cool, cool. So why don't you tell us about the, uh, is it called uh, your book, Soul Runner? Soul Runner, yeah. yeah. Um, so 2016, July the 1st, 2016, I, I, ran, I started the biggest run of my life. So I've always been a marathon runner. Well, not always, but I've been into marathons for quite a few years, and I'm a running coach. That's the coaching that I do. And um, I've always been sort of drawn in by like how um, how running changes you like mentally. And so, yeah. and I, I remember as a kid growing up, I'm giving you a big backstory just to make this no, why. Because cool. the question that comes always is, why would you do what you did? So I, I've always was inspired by guys like Rick Hansen and Terry Fox and these guys with these huge epic. Canadian icons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So my, my thing was I had the opportunity to take an entire summer off and run across Alberta. And so not across like east-west, but like northwest. So... I ran from the Northwest Territories border to the to the United States border, which is wow. 1,600 kilometers, uh, basically equivalent to 38 back-to-back marathons, and I did that over the course of 60 days, and um, and that's where it, the the book came from. Was sort of it's capturing my journey day by day. It's kind of like a diary of that of that run. Very very cool. Yeah, and of course uh, we'll put the links up for all this, but you can find yeah. the book on Amazon. Yeah. So what what would motivate you to? Uh, I mean, besides Terry Fox and uh, Steve, what would motivate you to to do these runs? Insanity, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what are you doing? No, it's you know, it's to me, it's one of the things is that um, what I, I guess. To me, I'm, my personal belief is that we are not meant to be average. Mm. We are not put here to be average people. And, and I think so many, like the bulk of society sort of is comfortable sort of staying in the middle, yeah. not, not pushing, you know, like just staying comfortable. And, and really that's most people that are in that sort of space are not really happy. And so to me, I've always sort of found my greatest sort of, sort of, Life is was where you're outside of your comfort zone, and so for me, the most the way the most immediate way I can sense that and feel that is through running. I found that like yeah. through marathoning and training and pushing your body to its perceived limits and beyond. Yeah, you really start to reprogram your mind on like, well, oh, like capable. I'm capable way more than I think I am. Absolutely. And, and so when you you know I do that in my training like on a daily basis, but then you do something this big, it's just like it doubles down. Yeah, basically ten x is your perception of of what you're capable of doing. Yeah. And for me, running has always been one of these sports that you you constantly learn about yourself and it transcends outside of running. Like it just follows you around in life. It's like it's it's very meditative running, I found. I mm-hmm. I, I didn't run the, the the length you have throughout high school. I was a long distance runner, mostly yep. the um um four thousand and um uh, uh, cross country and stuff like that. So I really, really mm-hmm. enjoyed running when I was younger, and uh, I still enjoy it. It's just a little bit harder on me now than mm-hmm. it was when I was eighteen. Um, but I know a lot of people say that it's meditative, and and, and I feel that way. So is that mm-hmm. sort of your therapy? You just get into a meditative state and hundred percent. And I, it's I for me like my favorite run of the week is I do lots of different types of run. My favorite run to do is 
a long run on Sunday. So right now I'm getting close to my next marathon in Sacramento in December. And so my long runs are like three, three and a half hours long. That's, that's, that's my happy place, man. Like just, just go check out music or no music. Half the time I don't even listen to music just in my head. And that's my best ideas come when I'm running my just sort of, it is very meditative. Yeah. And you talk to, for me, I talk to so many people. Like if you ask almost any distance runner, well, why do you run? A lot of people say for sure sh- getting in shape and stuff yeah. like that so you can eat pie and drink beer. But most Talk people will too. tell you <laughs> <laughs> most people tell you there's a real big mental element to it of just sort of it keeps me sane, it keeps me sort of grounded and it's just yeah. there's such a huge mental component to it. There was a question. So um, I listen to a lot of the Joe Rogan experience and, and a lot of his guests. I go off and listen to their podcasts as well. And uh, uh, I can't remember if it was Cameron Haynes or Joe Rogan that said it, but they basically said, if you listen to music while you're running, you're cheating. Mm. Like that, that it's, there's something about the music and the beat and, and distracting you from what's really going on. Um, and then there's other runners that say, no, 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 that's not cheating. That's just- <laughs> well, I have two, I have two sort of opinions on that. One is, um, you, like when you run with music, it'll actually suck you into the beat, like you say. And yeah. so, uh, for depending on the type of run you're trying to do, that might not be a good idea because a lot of times you'll be running too fast. So if you're just okay. trying to run nice and easy and get a really good aerobic benefit, for example, and you've got some like ACDC cranking, you're probably going to be running too fast. Yeah. And so as my as a coach, as a running coach, I I kind of warn people not to. Okay. And um and just use it like. Sometimes, yeah, because then the other time too is if you don't use it all the time, when you do get you know, get it in or listen to something, then you all of a sudden it's a bit more sort of like, oh, this is good, this is like sort of like a distraction, Relaxing. yeah, it's a nice yeah. change of pace. And so, you can actually buy or not buy, even just like use, download like music in like Spotify, for example, that's you can set the beat. Oh, really? So you can go, okay, well, I want to run at this pace. That's definitely cheating. Well, it's <laughs> it's actually a good training tool because okay. there's this thing in running called cadence, basically yeah. like how many times your feet hit the ground in a minute. And the goal is to try and be like around, you know, 180 beats per minute, for example, or okay. steps. That's like the elite guys do that. And so you can get these playlists that are actually timed to like different beats. And so you can try and like mm. mimic your foot strike to the drums yeah. or, you know, the beat of the music. And it's, it's actually can be a very helpful tool yeah. um, if you use it properly. No so. doubt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, uh, listening to um, uh, you talk was made me think about the, uh, the ultra marathoners. Mm. So do you have, uh, have you been listening to any of those guys or heard oh, yeah. what's going on with that? Yeah, That's yeah. insane, eh? Those guys do some, cra- and that's, those are some, those are some of like the guys that I've been inspired by too is that, you know, they, they go to the extreme like every weekend. <clears throat> right. Like, so there's a guy in uh, Cochrane actually um, named Martin Parnell. Yeah. He's a local guy and it was funny when I was getting ready for my run, I was like, I need some advice here. Like, I need to talk to somebody but there's not a lot of people that do that. So yeah. who can I find? And luckily enough, this Martin guy um, who ran 250 marathons in a year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he started January, and he ran, like, basically, like, almost every single day. Like, he had, like, weekends off, basically. Yeah. But he ran a marathon a day. And this, and he was, like, in his late 50s, early 60s, I think, at the time. Yeah. And just a beast. And so, uh, you know, you listen to some of these guys and what they go through. It's like this, like... This is chump change. Like for what I did was nothing compared to some of these guys and the yeah. mileage they do. And um, yeah, it's crazy. It's Cameron Haynes. Uh, he's an ultra marathon hunter guy. He runs a marathon a day to prepare for his ultra marathoners. So he'll yeah. do. Um, uh, 
he'll he'll split it up in three parts during the day where he'll get up in the morning, do a, an hour run. On his lunch, he'll do an hour run. Then after work, he'll finish whatever he didn't get done in the day and make sure he gets a full, I think it's 26 miles, right? Is yeah, 26.2. Every single day. It's crazy. Like, so this is something that he's just done for a long time. And he did the... I think it's called the Moab mm. 200, and it's 245 miles or something like yeah. that. It's insane to me. But they're bringing up uh, some history of human beings. That that's what we were designed to do. Like mm-hmm. we literally, before we were hunters, we were able to run down large animals until they got tired and their heart exploded, and then we just ate. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're we're literally as human beings designed to run. Well, and the thing is. Like some of these guys are like super freaks. Like there's no doubt about it. These guys that can do these crazy the like, one percenters. Yeah, like you've got to have some. You have to have like a really special genetic sort of makeup to yeah. do some of these things. But the the real truth is that there's a huge, huge mental component to that. And there's this rule. It's this thing called I don't know if you ever came across this called the rule of forty. No. Um, it's a forty. It's called the rule of forty. And what your brain's job is is to protect you from getting hurt. Yep. That's the brain's primary function is don't let me get hurt, burned, killed, die, whatever. Like eat per- my lions. Yeah, protect me. Like that's yep. you know, and that's that whole thing. And so what our brain will do is that when you're running or whatever not even running just in life is it'll as it starts to sense that you're at your limit or like getting to something that like I can't do much more than this it starts to signal to you at 40% of your capacity wow. stop yeah. you need to stop cuz we're done we're done and what happens is every time you push beyond what you believe and your brain thinks is your limit it reprograms itself nice and so you now have your 40% is now moved and so there's that a really there's a huge amount of power in that when you understand that because every t- you know by pushing just a little bit more a little bit more because that's the whole thing if you listen to some of these ultra guys like how do you run a hundred miles like how do you do that without napping like yeah just like you just go like and yeah. you can do it you, but your your brain doesn't think you can do it like, yes right. you have to do some physical you can't just like decide to run a hundred miles in a weekend you have to be physically ready but yeah. there's an equal or greater piece of that challenge is mental for sure yeah and so that to me that's that's the addiction of running is like like you i talk to people like because i was a running coach I'm like people like how do you run a half marathon that's crazy like 21 kilometers and then you do you figure it out and you train yeah. you like oh and then the next thing someone wants to do is like well i can run a marathon how do you double that it's crazy and you figure it out and then you then you so you can see how this sort of this progresses progresses into something greater yeah and so, so i think a lot of these ultra guys and even sort of my run in the summer was like how do you continue to get that same sort of like mind mental development around what you're capable of yeah if you're just doing the same you have to continually shake up what you think your comfort zone is if you want to develop and really push and that to me is like i I love that that's really what drives me i i totally agree the um i did a lot of martial arts when i was younger and trained a little bit as an adult and that was the one thing that we talked about is like you don't actually know that you're tired like so we would say do jujitsu rolling and you do three five minutes rounds and you're on the verge of vomiting and passing out and you feel like you're gonna die but then with the right motivation you can do three more rounds like 100%. You, just, you just go and you're like oh i wasn't done then you just start mm-hmm. to understand that your body's you don't understand your body's limits at all not at all yeah. and it's and it's funny because our natural reflex is to to go to that lowest you know thing and there's a guy. Um, have you heard of David Goggins before? Yeah, that guy's insane, ridiculous, right? And he, um, there's a. I can't remember the guy's name. I just forget his name. But he had David Goggins live with him for a month. Mm. 
Do you see that guy? I know who you're talking about. I yeah. can't think of the name right now. Yeah, one of the first Just things he said to him is, how many pull-ups can you do? And he's like, I don't know, 10? And he's like, okay, do them. And he did a struggle. And he's like, okay, we're going to do like 150 more. And, yeah. and it's just, But your, our brain automatically goes to like your lowest potential. And that's that's how we live our lives is like at the The, the 40% mark yeah. or below the 40%. Or below, yeah. I had a, um, a psychologist on uh, the podcast a couple months ago, I think. And we were talking about this at length. So he did a lot of work with First Nations, and there's a lot of uh, trauma and things to come over in the First Nations. So I'm like, what's the answer for changing an entire culture? Um, he didn't really have an answer. Um, then I had a guy a couple weeks ago, or last week, uh, runs this uh, new company called Infinite Journey. And uh, he talked about his minus 10, where he you know, lost his business, was addicted to drugs, and you know, he had hit his rock bottom, and that he now knows what his plus 10 is, what he needs to go after. And he started this company, motivates people, mm-hmm. and they have exercise and stretching and all this kind of stuff. And so I asked him, like, how do you, because he's sort of a coach as well, get people to imagine their plus 10? And and I see that in a lot of people that I talk to and, and family members and that. They don't actually know what that plus 10 looks like. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for you as a marathon runner, to the next step would obviously be an ultra marathon or, you know, working your way up if you decided to. But you see there's something greater to go after. And so mm-hmm. many people don't. So as a coach, how do you motivate people to see that next level or get to that next level? Yeah, and you know, it's, it's a good question because one of the things that, and then part of the reason that I'm addicted to running, and I love it, is, and a lot of people do get addicted, is that is it's very easy to, to um, be able to sort of have a goal, like yeah. to, to get, okay, your next goal might be, okay, next time I'm going to do that, I'm going to do like faster. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get a PB, or maybe I'm trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon, or it might be, it's not always longer, it might be quicker, or yeah. I want to go and do this destination race somewhere else. And so the cool thing for running is that, and it's, I'm a really competitive guy, like, and I grew up playing competitive hockey all the way through up until junior, and I was really, like, I hate losing. And, and, and one of these <laughs> totally guys, right? And, and so, <laughs> but the cool thing about running is, I always say it's a really bad analogy, but it's the truth is that there's, in any given weekend when you're racing, there's like five Kenyans that are going to probably try and win it, and the rest of us are just trying to be better than we were the weekend before. Right. And and you can be motivated by that. So you don't have to, like, when I told the line for any race, I'm like, I'm not in my mind going, I'm going to win today. It's like, I don't even, that's not my goal. My goal is just to be better than I was last time. Right. And we all carry our own personal sort of goal, and that's that is like so addictive. And that's the for me, that's the only sports that I've found like that I don't I'm not competing against everyone else, and but you're technically racing against everybody else, but you're not really competing against someone right. else. And just, so just getting yourself into that mental state. Yeah, I was every time I hear uh, a long distance runner's talk, I think about uh, Finding Nemo that just keeps winning. Just, <laughs> yeah. You have to have something yeah. like that in your mind. I did a few runs this summer just to see where I was at and yeah. if I could still do it and that's what it was in my mind. It was that and uh, uh, the other phrase is when I wanted to quit was like, stop being a bitch. Just, yeah. <laughs> just keep going. You've got yeah. more. You can go. Yeah. yeah. And and you're you're always able to. That, mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like uh, I, I would tell people at work that are less than motivated and how to get better at their job and i'm like if i told you your kid wouldn't eat for a week would you work harder mm-hmm. that and there's always if you can find that that thing inside your mind that'll motivate you to that next level that's what you just yeah. got to mentally do like and most people don't this is a really bad thing but in my experience this is the truth is that most people don't want to come out of their comfort zone right most people are just comfortable at least they think they're comfortable being 
kind of in the middle average like just because if you step out of that comfort zone you're exposing yourself like right. you're you know it's way easier to stay within the masses than it is to sort of step out and no i'm going to do something here significant and i'm going to I'm not happy with being just an average person. And so when I did that run like two, two summers ago, I was scary, man, because I was like, I'm putting myself out there. Like I had sponsors and people and yeah. cameras and all sorts of stuff to, to capture this whole thing. I was like, holy crap, what if I get like a week into this and I have to stop? Like that's, and so it's, but you don't, great things don't come without the challenge without sort of yeah. putting yourself out there and being challenged right 100 percent. i wish more people would understand that you know there there's this kind of view on life that like you said to being comfortable and a lot of people look behind them and go well i'm not as bad as that guy or yeah. i'm not as fat as that guy or i'm not as lazy right they they have that comparison to make themselves feel good where they're at 100 as opposed to going like i want to be like that guy and pick somebody that is doing something greater than you and start striving towards that yeah because I think probably the majority of the population has the ability to do these great things. 100%. They just never choose None to. of these guys are superhuman. No. There's like, they say, the 0.5, 1% of these guys are like, they have freaks, but the rest of these people are just regular people, right? right? And and here's the scary thing too, that is that most of the people around us don't want you to do phenomenal things. Right. Because it reminds them that they're not playing their hand as big yeah. as they could. And so I saw that in my run too. A lot of the people around me were like, you get two camps of people like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. Good for you, man. And there's like people like, you think you can really do that? What are you that? trying like, to prove? Yeah, you yeah. know, there's, there's cars for that. Like, it's <laughs> literally, like, so sometimes your closest people will be your, yeah. they're not trying to be mean to you, but a lot of times it's like, it reminds them, like, oh, I don't want you to do great things because it reminds me that I'm kind of just not doing nothing. doing nothing, right? right? So it's an interesting thing. I uh, I have this inside my family because I, I, I have the podcast, I have a regular job. I work 50 hour a week managing a construction company and then I have the podcast and I have a clothing company. So you're a busy guy. I, I'm a busy guy and my um, uh, some of my family members are always like, oh, you got to slow down. You know, you're you're 45, you're 46 a couple days ago. 46 now, you gotta, you're going to have to start. I'm like, why? Why do I have to slow down? Like, why can't I get better? Why yeah. can't I do more? Like, why can't exactly. I move on to that next better thing? And I, I just, it drives me nuts because you watch those people deteriorate over time. It's sad. They're family members. I love them. I don't want to see it. And you try to encourage them but they're not gonna do it they're just not no and it's the funny thing is is that these are the guys that you you know like i think we're wired very similarly is this i can't sit still like i'm like we gotta go like what like what are you here for it's gonna be over like in a blink man so like i know but you so like you ask those some i've had people say to me how do you get so much done like how do you do all (laughs) these things like how do you write a book and then you shoot a document you do this and this and this and then it's like well are you caught up on the game of thrones right now i bet you are (laughs) I bet you just binge watched it last night. Now you're on like so. You've got time too, but you choose not to. And that's I'm not trying to take shots at people. But but I but I deserve to have my relaxed time. (laughs) I deserve some time on my couch. You totally you totally can time on your couch. (laughs) And then you're gonna be sitting there when you're 90 on your couch too, wishing you didn't do that when you had the chance. So totally, totally. That's what gets me out of bed every day. Is like man. I think if we could figure out the answer to the question is how do we get people to see the plus 10 and that they could actually get there, we would have the newest winning book, movie, documentary, just getting people. I think some people will be motivated by by what you do. Uh, Probably lots of people are going to be motivated and they're going to go out and they're going to do more things because of it. You watch David Goggins and and Mm -hmm. I watch Cameron Hayden and I get motivated. But I can't listen to David Goggins without going... 
I think I need to go for a run or a yeah. bike ride. Or <laughs> it's just, it's crazy, right? And if we could figure out what part of the brain stops people from doing that, we would, we would own the world. Well, and it's, it's in a way, it's kind of, it's, it's good and it's bad yeah. because most people, a lot of people can get motivated and fired up and then it just fizzles out really quickly, right? It's like yeah. they don't have the sticking power to stay on something. Yeah. Or the, you know, just because we're, we're in this sort of now generation where you want something, you just get it right now. Right. Just, dial up Amazon, click one button, you've got it tomorrow. Like that's what we're in that generation right now. So, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this stuff that people really want is just hard work. Yeah. It's in the, in between them and what there would really be a life changer. And in a way, to me, it's like, it's sad that the bulk of, you know, majority of people are just going to stay in that sort of middle safe zone. Yeah. And then, but in a way, it's also kind of exciting because the guys like us that are actually willing to step out and put the work in, there's a lot of space out there to play because not everybody's going to do it. True enough, right? If everyone is an NHL player, NHL wouldn't be very fun to watch. Exactly. Just they're normal. So yeah, yeah, you got to have the the dark to to negate the light and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, So this is a good question. The as you were talking, I was thinking about why people don't do things. And a lot of it is, uh, like you said, fear of not being able to um, finish something, which I think is for real. That That's what can drive you is having that fear, right? Like, oh, I cannot fail at this. I'm too scared to mm-hmm. let my family down or my sponsors down. But the other part of it is the pain that's involved with it. It's It's... The, these physically challenges, uh, David Goggins, great. The first time he yeah. ran an ultra marathon, that guy ended up shitting himself and laying in a tub for three days. His wife dumped ice on him. He like ran it was, on broken feet and it was crazy. horrific. Yeah, and yet he got up and did it again. Yeah, and so what part of of the training or are, are you still feeling any of that pain? Like when you go after these big goals, like the marathons, is there still those those pains involved? Oh yeah, like and the older you get, the harder it is to manage. <laughs> <laughs> these pains, right? Yeah. Um, like I was ice bathing every day, like literally. Oh wow! Like I had, I bought like a horse trough yep. for my run. Literally, we filled it up with ice every single day, and I ice bath just to speed up my recovery. But, um, but most people just aren't really willing to get uncomfortable. But you, you know, like you have to be willing to go and get. But, yeah, like you, that's where that's where you, you know, like when you want to train your body, for example, you get development when you stress the body. Correct. And the goal is to not overstress it and then blow stuff up. But if you, there, a little bit of stress is good because that's how you grow. Hundred percent. It's like taking yourself out of a average situation and putting yourself into something that's going to like force you to grow. That's that's good. Like, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I, for, for the run, like it took me almost two years, like just till this, just now, like my body's just kind of feeling really good again which is nice because oh, wow. i have a race in three weeks but um i had a really bad quad strain that i got on the run so i was about 300 kilometers from the end and i my my quad was just on fire and so i ended up running the last 300 kilometers with a strain quad so yeah. on a normal training basis if i was just at home just doing my thing i, I would be definitely not running on it let yeah. alone running a marathon a day on it sort of thing and and um, I pushed through it because I just oh, I have to. Yeah. It's my, I started I'm, this. I got. I'm finishing this. Yeah. I, I told my crew. I said if if I have to crawl to the border, I'm gonna like I'm not stopping. Like there's no way I'm stopping because That's I'm brilliant. So I had to do it, and so I, my body definitely paid for it. It took some time to get myself back and and yeah. uh, feeling good and and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so it's yeah, it's coming back for sure. So obviously you have to treat your body really, really well uh, yeah. to be able to do this. What kind of uh, supplement or food regime do you have? Um, you know what? The, 
a lot of people that run say I just they do because they can eat whatever they want. But right. like definitely, yeah, like you have to be super clean. Well, you don't have to be super clean, but you have to be really smart. Like it's no joke. Like you have to really eat well. So for me, like a lot of protein supplement for sure. Yeah. Uh, nothing, nothing super fancy. Like as far as um, I do, like my vitamin C and uh, there's a there's a supplement called resveratrol which is very mm. resveratrol and yeah. it's very cool it's there's some endurance benefit to it and it's actually if you get resveratrol out of red wine okay and it helps you to be uh, I see why you're doing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I could go straight to the wine but but the thing is that with resveratrol what happens is it helps to sort of like speed up your your muscles ability to recover keeps you youthful and so they say like when you you know like drinking red wine it's good for you right yeah. so resveratrol is the chemical in wine that is actually beneficial okay and so in in supplement form, you get a major concentration of that. So yeah. you'd have to drink like fifty glasses of wine That'd to be get a little yeah <laughs> counterproductive, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All would be a lot of fun. It would be counterproductive. So um, I do resveratrol, um, like vitamin D, and what else do I do right now? Um, uh, ashwagandha. Okay. Yeah. It's a it's a supplement that I use too. So I've been on ashwagandha before. Yeah. It's uh, great for sex drive and energy and so and many good things, yeah, right? It's really, really good. And it's, there's also a mental like sort of calming. It's like almost like a um, a tonic of some sort that it's just helps you sort of stay really yeah. level and balanced. And so those are my go tos. And then just for me it's just I um I do intermittent intermittent fasting yeah. has been my diet. Um I've been playing with that for the last probably year and a half. And um, especially getting older, I'm in like I'm 43 now, okay. so um, I find that really helps because I got to this point where my metabolism wasn't really as fast as it used to be. Yeah, and so I I find intermittent fasting really unlocks that for me. And and um, from a training perspective, when I get up in the mornings and go for my run, I'm usually running most of the time. I'll run f- like fasted, yeah, which trains your body to be more efficient at burning fat. Right, and so. When you do um, eat, for example, for a workout, then you've got like an extra boost you're not used to having. Yep. And so that intermittent fasting has been, I love it. I tried it for a while, and uh, I wasn't getting great results out of it, but mm. I wasn't getting enough nutrition, I think. So with the fasting, I, I yeah. still wasn't getting the right amount of calories and right amount of nutrition. So we switched back to me having four or five meals a day now, but small meals. Yeah. Um, and I went down from 210 beginning of the summer down to 188 now. But the one thing that I realized, uh, my wife's a holistic nutritionist, so I got a bit of a... Oh, you got an inside edge. I got an inside edge. And she worked in supplements for a couple of years, so she understands the supplements inside out. So she started when I was doing heavier workouts, uh, giving me magnesium mm. um, after every... And I had no muscle pain. Like I could yes. go do a super hard run, and the next day I woke up with almost no muscle pain, and I could train again and get right away. Which was also beneficial because mm-hmm. you can grow faster the faster you recover. Um, you, you you know who Courtney DeWalter is? No, I don't actually. Um, so she's the one that won the uh, um, uh, Moab uh, two hundred five. Uh, okay, she beat the second place guy by eleven oh, I saw hours. That. Yes. So I listened to a podcast with her, and they were asking her about her supplement and her dietary needs for doing these kind of runs. And hers is nachos and beer. And she de- and candy. candy. Yeah. She eats candy. Isn't that crazy? And that's all she could do. And she can, I think it was like 30, 
was it 37 or 39 hours, she did 248 miles. She had one one-minute nap and one 20-minute nap. And That's crazy. That, and then she literally could have slept for a whole night and still won by three hours. Oh, my gosh. It's incredible. You know, and that's the funny thing, too, is sometimes these, some of these guys are, like, so scientific and down to, like, every macro, and, and then then you get people like that. Yeah, it just pisses you off. Well, it does. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And then, you know, like, then the, the other thing that you see, especially in the ultra guys, too, is, this, is like, higher-fat diets. Yeah. Like, the keto-type stuff and yeah. high-fat, like, training your body to be really fat-efficient, especially over the longer distances, because so yeah. you... You know, when you're eating, you know, carbs and you're just burning glycogen, for example, that's gone quickly. They burn off fast. It's, it burns quick and it's gone, and yeah. you can't get that back. Whereas if you can burn fat, so keto, um, fat, high fat type diets are definitely starting to pop up because the the old school of thought or the it's still very much mainstream thinking in in like endurance sports, for example, is high carbs, like yeah. carbs, 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 past the carbs, like all that sort of stuff, right? And and um, but then there's also that inflammatory side of the you know so i don't know man there's such you just got to find what works for you and but most people that i feel like i'm preaching most people yeah i'm not trying to preach to anybody just for the record i just i just believe my own truths but like i like i think most people like like i can't lose weight it's like well let's just break down your calorie intake yeah Oh, while you're eating like 620 calories a day, it's pretty simple math. Like you net it down to zero. Yeah, like you find a diet that works good for you and your lifestyle and what you prefer to do and then you count your calories. Like for me, like I'm not a heavy guy. I'm like 155 when I walk around, but when I try and toe the line for a race, like a marathon, I try and get down to about 145, 147 is my my goal because – you know, saving that extra five ten pounds over twenty six miles that saves you time. Like it's your and energy. You're, you're yeah, not packing you're that not extra burning as much. Pounds. Yeah, exactly. So, I can I can swing my weight down five seven eight pounds yeah. quite quickly just by simply counting my calories. So I know that number where I, if I'm eating this many calories, I maintain at this with this much workload. And if I want to lose, I just drop it down two hundred calories yeah. a day or whatever that might be. And is You'd be like, well, I'm eating super clean. Well, let's look at let's look at your diet for today. Yeah. Like, oh, well, there's three beers and there's <laughs> mayo on your sandwich. Like, it's like it's easy. It's, it's the math is really you easy. You can't hide the math, there. man. I uh, I've been tracking for about four or five months on my fitness pal. That's all my works. calories. Beautiful. It's it's a fantastic app. You yeah. can put in your recipes, all that kind of yes. stuff. I tried keto for a while. I tried vegetarian for a while, and the vegetarian one was horrible. Oh, it's so hard. I was so drained for the whole time, and I had no energy to do anything, and I wasn't dropping any weight. No. Uh, went on the uh, keto diet, and I just found that a difficult one to to get the right amounts of macros and foods and all the nutrition in, so it wasn't the one for me. And then I tried the carnivore diet, mm. uh, with the only cheat being was I would have fruit. So someone was saying that uh, when you eat large amounts of protein, if you have it with fruit right afterwards, there's no glycol or um, no insulin spike from the fruit. Right. And I was like, oh, well, I can get sugars and my carbs and all through the fruit, and then I'll eat the meat and we'll be pretty safe. I gain weight like crazy on this. <laughs> this one sucks. That's so, so dumb. I finally decided to listen to my wife, which is usually where you should start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It all so, comes around. You figure it out eventually. That's it. And she just basically put me on, uh, she works for Simply for Life now. And so um, she put me on one of theirs, and it was very, very basic. You alternate um, your breakfast and your lunch. One of those meals will have carbs, and then you never have carbs for dinner. Mm. And try to keep your calories around eight. And I'm probably explaining this not well, so don't get mad at me. So she like writes your menu out every day. She did for a while, and now I sort of intuitively know how to do it. So I have the right amount of protein, and then she basically says 
Nobody gets fat off of eating vegetables, so fill your boots. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. I've seen some fat vegetarians, man. Like, <laughs> so those veggie crackers yeah. that do it to it's you. Those darn chips, they'll get yeah. you every time. Hundred percent. That's so. the, you know that's funny because that's the trap of some of those diets too. Is like we yeah. tried. I tried to eat vegan for quite some time. Well, not that long. I tried for about six months. You can keep weight on just as easy. Yep. The only thing I liked about like we started doing this no meat Monday thing. Okay. Like I watched some of these Netflix documentaries. I like. Um, What's it called? Knives over forks or yep. forks over spy? I don't care what it's called. Something like that, or and some of these shows that sort of reveal the food industry and how corrupt and so yeah. and what's in the food is kind of scares you if you really dig deep into what's how much sort of goes on behind the the closed doors. Yeah, and it's like oh, I don't think I ever want to eat meat again. And then I start. We tried to eat vegan for about six months, and the best thing about it was that you had to get so creative with what you because you, when you cook with meat, for example, which I do today is. It's real easy. You get your meat, you get your potatoes, and you get some vegetables, and that's your meal, right? That's yeah. it. You piece of cake. And um, try to make broccoli taste different throughout yeah. the week. And I love it. I'm not against veg- vegetarian meals. Not at all. We have lots of vegetarian yeah. meats too, and they're fantastic. But you got to be way more creative. Oh, for sure. You can't yeah. just like wing it. Like yeah. you have to be thought out, and it's more expensive, which is ridiculous. Yeah, you think I, about I I didn't find it too expensive doing the vegetarian. Um, at the time, we actually had a chef preparing our meals, oh. so we found a local chef, and for a hundred dollars a week, he was giving us all of our dinners. So the dinners were enough to fed us our dinners and our lunches and nice. our breakfast and snacks. And why'd you stop that? That's a good deal. Oh, the food was so damn good. <laughs> <laughs> he would send over these butter chicken dishes that oh. like, I swear it was like right out of India. He stole a recipe, he stole the chickens. Oh. I don't know. Yeah. It was so good that I was gaining weight like crazy. I'm like, I have to stop. Just, <laughs> yeah. I, there's just no limit. You're killing me, buddy. Yeah. This is it. So I'm paying you we, this. Uh, I don't know if he was stealing the food or what he was doing because that is cheap to feed a family no for, kidding. for $100 a week. Well, that's I think that's the hard part, too. One thing I'm trying to be conscious of, but I'm not good at it, and our family's not good at it, is like variety. Yeah. It gets like, we kind of eat the same meals. Like, you have like about seven or eight staples, and yeah. then you just kind of <laughs> rotate them. Like, and it's, it's, it's good in a way, but it's also bad because you don't get the variety. And, right. and sometimes I think our bodies need to be, you know, exposed to other things and... I don't need the variety. I like the variety, but I don't need it. Oh, I'm the same. I could eat the same breakfast every single day. My wife gets mad at me, and she's like, well, if you're not changing your food, you're not going to change your ways. So I get up in the morning, have my smoothie. And for lunch, I have my snap peas, my cucumbers, my uh, chicken, and then you know, some days it's rice, sometimes it's potatoes with it or whatever. And then for dinner, I'll fry up a piece of meat and yeah. make up a bunch of vegetables. And that's Done. it. Yeah. I do that every damn night. Yeah. But... When I get the special dish that my wife makes, oh, that is good stuff. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Every now and then, right? Yeah. I know. Our, my my addiction is brisket. Oh, it's so good. Do you ever go to Main Street in Airdrie? I was just going to say, Wednesday oh. nights, half price after, is it, or is it all over, every night after 10? Um, I'm not even sure. I'm, I'm old, man, so I'm not usually yeah, there after 10. <laughs> I think it's every night after 10, all their meets half price. Oh. I have a buddy that goes down there. Actually, the co-host, he's not here tonight, Mark. Shout out to Mark. Um, Mark. He'll go down. He's a single dad, just him and his daughter. So he goes down and does his meat shopping at Main Street. He'll buy... You know, six dishes, but they're all half price. It's all pretty cooked. He takes it home, just warms it up. That's her. Mark, you're my hero. Like, <laughs> He's so that awesome. Is, that's the best. I oh, <laughs> my goodness. I, that's what I want to buy. Uh, my brother in law has a smoker. Yeah. And he smoked a brisket, I don't know, for last one of the last holidays. Yeah. Off the chain. Like, yeah. ridiculous. So and you almost feel like, hey, this is, I'm just eating meat, man. There's no carbs here. Let's load this up. It's so good. <laughs> 
<laughs> so hats off to Main Street for yeah. uh, good old and the wings. Oh my gosh, so, so good. good, so good. We had uh, uh, Wayne Hansen on from your local ranch here in Airdrie mm. talking about the food and the food industry or the beef industry and farming as well. Oh, that'd be interesting. Eh? So we've been buying our meat out there quite a bit, and it's really good too. Mm-hmm. And then they got all the recipes to go with it. Oh yeah. So. Uh, Oh, where do we go? Supplements. The documentary. Yeah. Let's hear about uh, the documentary. You're releasing that next week? Yeah, on November 23rd is the the movie. It's called Soul Runner, same as the book. But we shot, when I did my run, we shot, um, we we captured it all on video all along the way. And so um, my son, Chase, who's now, he's just about to turn 18 years old. Nice. He was 16 at the time. And I asked him, um, would he ride support bike with me? Um, so that I'd have someone to like carry like water and supplies and gels and whatever. And so my son rode a road bike and my wife drove behind me in the car in her vehicle and protect me from getting hit by semis and crazy, uh, guys driving campers because we ran right down the highway. I ran down the highway and, uh, we mounted a, um, 4k camera on my kid's bike. And so a lot of the footage we got was from his handlebars. Um, I don't know if you know what a DJ Osmo is. It's like the same, it's like a gimbal technology that they put on, um, drones. Oh, so it doesn't bounce. Yeah. It's like smooth, steady cam. So he was awesome. So we caught a lot of footage like right from the road of, of running. And then we had a DSLR that we took with us and captured and kind of documented the whole thing. And I just, I just wanted it for myself more than anything. I thought this is like a once in a lifetime. I got to capture this somehow. And so we captured all the footage and just sort of documented our journey. And, and, um, when we got back home, I I took it to a production company in Calgary and showed them sort of talked about what I did. I said, just, here's what I have. Like, I don't know if we can do anything with this footage, and let me know what you think. And, and, and so he looked at it and he's like, this is phenomenal. Nice. This is like 100% more than we would normally get to start with when we're putting together a documentary. Because part of it is you've got to have the great footage, but you also have to be able to tell a story with it. Because exactly. it's kind of like watching somebody's home movies. It's just like, okay, oh, yes, yeah. if you don't have a good story, it's like, I could yeah. watch you run down the road for what, five minutes. And that's about yeah. four minutes too long, right? Yeah. So, so we've got this, uh, we've got all our footage and we, and we have, it's uh, called the director's chair. Mike Visser is the guy that produced the film for us and, and, uh, and put it together. And so... It was very cool. So we finally have it ready to go. And cool. and the run was like, there's kind of two purposes to the run. Obviously, there's a big, huge personal element. And we my, I took my whole family with me, uh, my wife, and I have three kids. And uh, we had two dogs and my brother-in-law and my sister and their three kids. We had wow. two trailers going down the road. My brother-in-law was like the camp guy. Like he was in charge of logistics and like where we were, because like, we were moving every couple of th- days down the highway. And so yeah. he was, he looked after our camp and he, poured my ice bath i hated him for that every single day i'd come back he's like got your bath ready like, oh yeah yeah but uh so we had our crew and and um so we had this was a really neat thing and so there's this this physical task and there was this really cool opportunity but what i wanted to do too and part of the reason i did the run too was to tie in mental health to it okay and so i raised money for the canadian mental health association and we used sort of the attention of the run to to shine a light on mental wellness and so we partnered with Canadian Mental Health Association and produced this film. And so some of the people on our film are big advocates of mental health. And it was cool because we went down the province and we were, you know, we had this huge RV that had my face plastered. I had a really cool sponsor, Go RV, sponsored me. And I, they oh, uh, they decked up this. Tra- company, yeah, it was yeah. awesome. They were so good. They So I got this trailer donated to me. 
and they wrapped it with all my pictures, and it was spooky because every morning I'd get up, there's this life-size face on the window of my <laughs> face, and so I'd w- wake up and I'd look at myself in the window. And but we had this huge trailer, and it was cool because what happened was people obviously they saw me running down the highway with this entourage behind me. But then our trailer would pull into the RV camps and stuff, and they'd see this huge trailer and this whole, what's like. And as soon as people saw, like, what are you doing? Like, the question was always, like, why are you running down the highway? Yeah. But they'd see the fanfare, the big RV, and the whole thing. It would it would open up the conversation of what are you doing this for? And it's like, well, we're actually bringing awareness because we know, and I know, like, I don't think there's anybody that can't say they've struggled with mental wellness over the years. Agreed. Some people illness, some people just wellness. Like, it's, and we're not always okay. Yeah. And and so we wanted to go out there and be a light for people that have lost their voice, that need to speak out. We want to sort of just bring attention. And and so that was the goal of, of the run as well. And so we, we were blown away because every single, not one single day we went by where people didn't come up to us and, like, they'd see what we were doing, find out what we were doing, and we had like, especially at nighttime, we'd come, after I was done running for the day, I'd come back and be work, sitting at camp and eating or just relaxing. People would come up to us and go, thank you for what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you my story. And yeah. they just spill their guts. And we're like, I can't believe you just told me that. But I was like, good, because that's the whole point of this run. But that's right, yeah. We were just like, our whole family was blown away by this the scale of how many people suffer with mental wellness and mental illness and, and how big of an issue it is. And so... It was good for us. We just wanted to sort of shine that light, open up a good conversation, be a positive sort of influence on people. And so that we accomplished that. We raised over $30,000 oh, wow. uh, for Canadian Mental Health Association to do that. But more than that, we, we started a good conversation with a lot of people. And, yeah. and it was cool for me and my kids to see, and my wife, to see how big of an impact there is out there, like how many people suffer yeah. um, in silence. I, I was reading some studies, and they were saying uh, that men uh, suffer in silence a lot more. Not that, that we suffer more, but we're not very good at talking about no. how we feel or if we're upset, and we'll internalize things and just get angry or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Where women do a little bit better job of, of um, expressing themselves more often. And I think that's a big part of mental health is to be mm-hmm. able to express yourself every day. Yeah. Angry, sad, happy. Why can't we talk about... Okay, you're happy. Why are you happy? And know that, like, yeah. kind of, kind of document what what makes you happy instead of you know if I spend every day and I'm mad that I'm at work. Well, maybe work is the problem. Yeah, you need exactly. To resolve a problem there yeah. or an issue there. Um, so yeah, the the mental health thing I think is massive, and exercise as a whole I think is oh, there's huge connection. The uh, Dr. Kelly Brogan is a. Um, psychiatrist out of New York and she had been giving prescriptions for depression, anxiety, all the mental illnesses for years and realizing I'm not getting a massive result. And so she, along with some other doctors, developed a program that revolves around good food, exercise, sunlight, and then systematically removing the problems from your life or the assholes in your life Mm -hmm. and just, you know, creating that separation or learning how to deal with them. And she's had much bigger results with that program than she ever did with the pharmaceutical program, Mm -hmm. which is super, super impressive. So is this, is this one of the reasons why you run? Like you, you suffered? Yeah. Like I think, um, for me, it's a couple things. One is like I've, I'm someone that has had you know depression in the past, and I'm an anxious person. I've I've definitely had sort of peaks and valleys in my life, and and running has sort of taught me how powerful um, your mind is. Yeah, and and even more so how important it is to keep it healthy, and yeah. and and so like our mind can cripple us like if we yeah. don't treat it well. And so I I was I was actually speaking at a school the other day and. 
the analogy I used with, with the kids was like, there's this, I said, how many people have broken your arm before? Put your hand up. Well, how did you break your arm? And this kid went on this big, long rant. Oh, I was playing on my bunk bed as I fell off. And he was like, it was such a fun story to tell. And I fell off and I was screwing out with my brother and I got in so much trouble. And like, people signed my cast. And it's like, yeah, people could see you were hurt, right? right. Yeah. How many people here have something going on that you don't even know about? Right. Because we're not going to talk about it. You can't see it and I'm not going to talk about it. Right. And so, so many people suffer because they just don't want to talk about it. We don't see it. And, yeah. and the re- what I'm kind of learning is that almost everybody, like the majority of our population will, will suffer or deal with mental wellness. Yeah. Some people definitely like a more serious illness. I, I would put myself in the wellness camp of I've had definitely times when I wasn't okay. And, and yeah. it's, there's some days where I just like, what's going on today? Like I am not myself today. Yeah. And I've gotten better. I'm still not good. I'm a typical guy. Like you got to have your crap together, right? You can't, <laughs> You can't sort of like show emotion sometimes. I'm still kind of hard as stone when I shouldn't be, but like we have to get better at it. So like, it's okay. Like, yeah. I'm not good today. I'm not good. And I think life is this, we say it's a lifelong journey. It, it, we're learning throughout our entire life. If you're, I think Muhammad Ali said it, if you're the same person you were at 50 that you were at 20, you've wasted 30 years you of have. your life. Yeah. And so we should always be looking and evaluating those things. And even in business, they talk about it at length, where if you're not measuring everything in your life, which, you know, mind, body, spirit, soul, all those things we need to be measuring, are they in good shape? Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe more so that being proactive and going, oh, so one of my lifelong goals is to be a healthy, active grandfather. I want to be the guy that shows up Friday and takes my grandkids. We're going skiing, or we're going for a mm-hmm. run, or we're going boating, or just something to get them outside for you. all the time. That's that's. And my kids are young; they're like twelve and fourteen. So yeah, I got a long ways to go. Hey, <laughs> my grandpa. you're not that old, man. No, no, uh, really, halfway there in oh, the yeah. grand scheme of things. You <laughs> and especially when you think about the medical advancements that are happening, like. Uh. No, okay, hundreds off. Hundreds not off the off the off the board at all for you. Me and Mark talk about this at length. So with what's coming medically, they're going to be able to replace parts, including pieces of your brain. Oh, yeah, they're going to be able to do anything. We love MMA. We love fighting. I would fight every damn day. <laughs> I knew there was no lifelong repercussions. Yeah, no Just doubt. Hey, line me up with Chuck Liddell. Let's get <laughs> yeah. this done. And then, you could probably beat Chuck Liddell right now. He's got a fight coming up. Actually. Is he really? He's fighting Tito Ortiz again. In oh like my Two gosh. or three weeks. So it's is like, he out of money? Is that what this is? They're I both washed think up. For like Coke is way more expensive <laughs> than he anticipated it being, and he needs some money. Uh, I, don't, I don't know for sure. Don't are uh, they fighting under the UFC banner? No, uh, Bellator. Oh. Yeah. So uh, yeah, they they started beacon off about a year or two ago, and Scott Coker went. Uh, yeah, he probably could make this happen. I don't know how Chuck is going to pass his physical. He does not look good. Nah. Tino looks pretty decent. Like he's yeah. had his back surgeries, he's exercising, he's got his his life in order now. I think he is going to pummel Chuck. Well, back. they legitimately hate each other. They do. Like, yeah, yeah. Which is which is a neat fight. To, well, it's always more, always fun more fun when when there is that sort of hatred. But the sad thing is, you know, they're just they know they're going to make money at it. They're, yeah. Because I heard too the other day that um, is it true that Floyd Mayweather is going to fight again? So yeah, they they announced. I was a part of a um, a group on Facebook that's a bunch of MMA writers, and so they posted that this is going to happen. I'm like, he is not fighting MMA. This is just fake news. They're like, no, he signed the contract, but 
He signed a contract to fight in an MMA organization against a kickboxer with limited rules. Mm. So we haven't heard what all the rules are going to be. I'm like, well, the rules are going to be no kicking, no elbowing, <laughs> yeah. no knees. So basically boxing. Basically <laughs> boxing. You know he's going to put it in gloves. his favor. So uh. th- this is, I-, I trained MMA and martial arts for a long time. And what people don't realize is leg kicks are like, you talk about the burning uh, thigh muscles from running. There is no worse pain than the first time you get a massive Charlie horse, and it takes years to get over that. So uh. I drive a shin into someone's leg. Back in the day, I could end fights with my leg kicks. That's all it needed. Yeah. Big bully on the street, big bouncer, whatever, bang, fight's done. They do not want another piece of that again. <laughs> so uh, Floyd Mayweather is not going to be any different. Like, uh. There's just no way to toughen up that thigh without doing years and years and years of it. So... It'll be interesting to see. Either way, yeah. he's going to make $100 million again or $200 million. See, and I wonder, for, for some of these guys, it, it's not money anymore. Yeah. Like Floyd Mayweather is not money anymore. He does not need to. He does not need the money. Right. But I think there's just something that these guys, that's all they have. Yeah. Like you, they, you know, like they're not that old. So like, what are you going to sit around for the next 50 years and just what are you going to do? Yeah. yeah, like you got no other skills, basically. Guys like Chuck Adele might be out of money and... Like he might need to fight to yeah to, to make bank, but I don't know. I think guys like Floyd, I don't. I honestly, I can't tell you. He's like an Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos. Like, what's driving that guy to get up in the morning? Like, yeah, he's accomplished everything you could possibly think of accomplishing. What next? Yeah, what next? And and for Floyd, he loves money. He loves being flashy. He loves telling everybody this is what I made. Maybe that's what drives him. Yeah, um, I don't know. It, it's hard to imagine what it bring you back. I, I hate to think that Chuck Liddell is fighting because he's broke. Oh, yeah, I hope not. But <sighs> so, did you watch? Since we're talking fighting, did yeah. you watch the um, McGregor fight, the last McGregor fight against uh, Habib? Yeah, did you yeah, watch that? I did. So, yeah. what's your take on that whole? It sort of went down the way I thought it was going to go down. Um, I think a guy like Habib is in a camp where he's wrestling Kane Velasquez in DC every single day, and DC said so. Kane Velasquez, or sorry, um, Habib is 155er. DC is a heavyweight. He goes, I have a tough time controlling him. This kid is on a way different wrestling level than than anyone that we've ever seen in the UFC. Mm. So he's got that. He's tough as nails. He comes from a country where like you, you just don't survive if you're a pussy. Like yeah. just, <laughs> he, <it's laughs> Dagestan, you are coming out of there tough. Um, and he's just got a mindset that that's so much higher than what we see most uh, fighters. Now Connor has, I think, that same thing. He comes from a very broke background. He's got stand up that. I would say is significantly better than most fighters in the UFC. And if he had landed his left hand, Khabib would have went to sleep, mm-hmm. no doubt in my mind. But he's a one-trick pony in the ring that has this phenomenal ability to sell fights, oh. and that's what makes him money. He looks so average, hey? Like he really does. But you know, the guys that he dominated, he dominated like oh, yeah. to beat the hell out of um, uh, Nate Diaz. That's no easy task. Mm-hmm. And I would say he did it twice. He he won once and lost one. But Nate took a beating both those fights. Both of them took oh, a beating. Yeah. Yeah. What he did to Chad Mendez and to um, Jose Aldo, you know, these are tough dudes that he starched. No and, kidding. And you're like, well, where is this coming from? And he's just figured out a way to move and generate power like nobody else. So what's your take on the end of the fight? Because when I first watched I was like, this is staged. This is staged oh. for a rematch. <laughs> like, they're like, we'll make this 
we're gonna leave it with this big huge blow up. Yeah. And then we're gonna have the biggest rematch, and they'll make twice as much money in the rematch. And supposedly they're not fighting again. Whatever. Um, but yeah, supposedly. <laughs> I doubt that. So the kind of the backstory is Khabib is a Muslim guy, um, very devout Muslim. He's um, very big on family, very big on his religion. And Connor does what Connor does. And he just beaked off the whole time. And Khabib said nothing, but it brewed hatred in that mm. point. Oh like my gosh. Before. And so there's some uh, clips of them in the fight, and Khabib has them pinned on the mat in the corner, and he's hitting him and goes, do you want to talk now? How about now? Connor, let's talk now. Can we talk now? And he's smashing Connor while he's... So he went in there with legitimate hate. Like, yeah. That wasn't even part of the UFC trying to sell it. And then Connor's coach had said a bunch of stuff about Khabib's dad being a terrorist and, oh, and all geez. this kind of stuff. So Khabib came out and he leaped off the ring and <laughs> tried to drop kick the guy. I think Khabib was legitimately, he's a young guy, um, pumped up from fighting, pumped up from, you know, bad talking, all the stuff that he loves. He did what young guys do and he just overreacted. Yeah. And everyone made a big deal. And I'm like, Joe Rogan said it best. He said, uh, we just watched two guys fight and then they stepped outside and fought again. What's like, there's yeah. nothing shocking about What's this. What's the difference? What's yeah. the difference, right? Um, so, you know, don't, don't get upset when you piss off a fighter and he wants to fight because that's sort of what they do. <laughs> so in all that being said, Khabib still hasn't been paid from what I understand. He says, I don't care about the money. You guys can all pump sand. The guy that jumped in the ring and punched Connor, uh, Dana says he'll never fight in the UFC and that was where he's going to be. So Khabib's oh. like, if you won't let him fight, I'm not going to fight. Really? Lot. Yeah. So oh he stepped gosh. away. It's good for Khabib because he can go pretty much anywhere, FC1 or um, uh, Bellator. They're going to pay him big dollars yeah. to fight anywhere. So, At the end of the day, it's like just put your money in the bank, especially for those guys. Like the longevity. How much does it cost to live in yeah. Pakistan? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said the whole country yeah, off I of what he made. Uh, you know what? It's funny because I don't know how we got down this track, but we I, I'm not a fighter by any stretch, but I love watching. Yeah, and and I why you'll have to come out to our next UFC. We watch him here. We do okay. Well, you yeah. have to invite me because yeah. I'll come for sure. I I always laugh like not laugh, but I was watching that fight, and then you see Dana White. You can t- after like, this whole thing, and he's like, on one hand, he's got to pl- pl- like toe the line of like this is unacceptable. There'll be discipline yeah. in the back of his mind. You're like, oh, ching 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 ching. This is the best thing ever. But on the front of the camera, he's like, yeah, this is not going to happen. It's just like you know, he's like pumped up about. Yeah, that was the greatest thing ever. Well, the thing is, Connor's got his own production company. He partners with UFC or Zufa to do this. So he's making, it doesn't oh. matter, win or lose. Plus, he's got his new whiskey out that he was able to promote in the UFC. So yeah. just probably off the whiskey alone, he's made, again, enough to retire his next three generations. Just be smart enough to make the money while you can. That's right? it. Yeah. I say good on him. You yeah. know what? If that's what sells fights, if that's it's not just fighting. It's entertainment. Well, you know? and the thing that I heard after, it kind of was like, I was kind of skeptic a bit, and I was like, "That's a good point, though," is because Dana White made a comment of, like, like he had to be careful that he didn't start like a riot in the in the stadium, right? Because in in T-Mobile, yeah, yeah, you like got all those Muslims against all yeah. the Irish. That could have gotten really ugly. Yeah, um, and I I remember listening to Joe Rogan talk about that too. He said like the difference in that audience too is that a lot of the people sitting in that audience. Are fighters right, and so <laughs> you're you could be like stirring up some major stepping into yeah. a lion's cage. Oh, man. You're you're yeah. If you show up to a UFC and think you're going to pummel the people there, <laughs> yeah. you're no. a little bit slow in the not head. at all. Yeah, 
So Maybe you, that's why I like fighting because there's that warrior mindset, and like oh, just you have like hundred percent. You're on a different mental level. Yeah. You have to be. Yeah, absolutely. And and then I was saying earlier when I was fighting that that's what it was that whether it was bar fighting or high school fighting or when I got into MMA, there's just something inside. Even when you lose, just being through the battle, mm-hmm. you walk away, your chest pumped up and your head hell high, and you're like, yeah, yeah I'm the man. <laughs> and you're I, scared as hell just before you do it, and then you're like, I'm oh, afterwards just pumped, right? I remember. I remember the, the very first jiu-jitsu tournament I got put into. So I trained under uh, David Lee um, in Kelowna. Uh, he trains like Roy McDonald and Cheesecake oh, yeah. and Shane Shetland and a bunch of people. Um, I was way before their time. Uh, but the first time we went to a jiu-jitsu tournament, I was nervous. I don't like speaking in front of crowds. I don't like any of that stuff. And all of a sudden, I'm in this gymnasium with 600 people watching us. I was too scared to eat, and they didn't do a great job organizing the organize or organizing the event. So I didn't know when I was fighting. So I get there at seven thirty in the morning. I don't fight till four thirty. So I've eaten nothing all day. Oh no! And I'm just sitting there shaking, on the verge of vomiting. Like, <laughs> so the the very first match, um, I get partnered up with this guy and and the the referee comes in he says fight and right away we do like the wrestling clinch like one hand in the back one on the uh, shoulder and we're just pushing each other back and forth and literally it was like a minute and a half which is forever in a fight and it was just all this white noise around me and i had no idea what i was supposed to do or what was going on just all my training went out the window. <laughs> and then out of the blue, I heard my coach, David Lee, yell, for fuck's sake, shoot. <laughs> and as soon as he said shoot, I just dropped down, got my big double leg, dropped the guy on his head, mounted him, and then I got a, um, a front naked choke. It was basically you just run your knuckles underneath their chin. And he, I was doing it to set up for an arm bar, and he he tapped from the choke instead of the arm bar. So, <laughs> and, and then you stand up, and I literally, the the and you probably felt this too, the wind was so overwhelming. Literally, tears started pouring out. My <laughs> chest was like thundering out of my, or sorry, my heart was thundering out of my chest. It was just insane. So, but do you still train today? Like, I've taken a little bit of breaks. I had some injuries, but here in town, I ran this little organization called Submit Self Defense, and we taught oh. um, self defense based on MMA kind of things. So, it was out of. Um, Every Victory Church. Oh, cool. And then uh, we did it free for the community. We had like 250 people come through the program. It was super fun to do. It got me back into training again. But um, I wasn't I wasn't stretching well. I wasn't doing a bunch of things well. And I really need some good mentorship to continue the program. And so there's a plan to get it going again. So do the skills stay with you? Like, Because one of the things I've always wished, I'm a small guy, I'm not a fighter, I love fighters, I've always wanted to be a fighter, but that's not, I'm a a wimpy marathoner, I'm delicate, (laughs) I always tell people I'm delicate. (laughs) But do you still have this, like, obviously you'd still, like, you don't lose the skill, maybe the speed and reflex, right? Yeah, like, I think most of the movements are like riding a bike. So once you learn that movement, it's always inside of you. You know, some of the things you'll forget is, like, how to set up a move or, you know, some of the footwork, like, okay, when this guy jabs, I'm going to do this right. and, and whatever. So those those have to be, but they come back fairly quickly. Uh, we didn't spar for about the first year of the program. We just drilled nonstop, and then everyone was hounding me to spar again. And it's a little bit nervous because we were doing it in a church and, you know, the, the insurance and all that right. kind of stuff. So I eventually agreed and I said, okay, let's do some light sparring, but only students with me. I didn't want to do students <laughs> yeah. fighting. I'm like, you can pound the hell out of me all day long. Yeah. I'm good with it. And then we grew and grew and grew and, and uh, it got really good. Everyone was sparring. Everyone was nice. We created the right culture inside of there so people could actually train and learn. And it and it stuck. I, I had a police officer that came. He was 
uh, six foot four, two hundred and ninety pounds pro boxer, or just about pro boxer, would come in and train. Oh my! You get hit by that dude. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, it's like getting hit by a truck. He uppercutted me so hard one time, my mouthpiece came out and knocked a tile out in the ceiling. <laughs> That's how hard he hit me. <laughs> oh man! But again, it, it's those learned movements and and techniques and and that that I think would stick with you for a lifetime. Yeah, you're way better when you're training every day. Your flexibilities there your um your your fright iq is there and that's the right one. you can't train toughness you're either tough or you're not tough you can train technique to just about right. anybody so you can still walk into most bars and know that you're going to be just fine if i feel if really shit went really, down you'd be just fine yeah, yeah. If, if even if i'm smash i'm like yeah i can handle this yeah. <laughs> i've always wanted that feeling of like <laughs> I just mess with me. I dare it. I've never, I've never had that feeling in my life. You got a better skill set than I do. I can run away. <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah. In any fight, there's yep. any given fight, you can lose. There's no doubt about uh, it. But I feel pretty confident in in the local. Um, there, there's a. Uh, I, maybe I shouldn't say the name. One of the local pubs has a couple of jiu-jitsu purple belts that are bouncers there. Oh, okay. And so you don't want to mess with those guys. And they're about your size. Oh, and really? See, I, there you go. I don't care how... How big the guy is! If he doesn't have jujitsu, that guy's gonna pull your arm off and beat you to death. With yeah, that. they're uh, they're they're very very skilled guys. I'd love to have those skills. Just I don't know why. As a guy, I've always wanted to be able to just like know like a kick your ass if I really wanted to. And I I don't have that knowledge it's, ever. It's so much fun. I think there's. I think guys can gain confidence from anything. I think fighting is one of them. Having the physical ability to know like. Dude, I could challenge you to a bunch of stuff, and I know you're gonna gas out in two minutes, and I'm gonna outdo you. Like this yeah. is you. Yeah. Uh, that you're gonna outdo most guys in in cardio at any given skill set. So I always so. tell I always tell people is like, well, if you I can outrun you, so if you if you can't catch me in the first 400 meters, you're not catching me. <laughs> no. So you've got you've got a really small window to catch me, and then you're I'm gone. Well, and the truth of the matter is, so this this is back to my bar fighting days. Um, I learned very, very early on guys tired out really, really easy. And so I also learned that keeping your hands up and covering yourself just basically fits around the ears. I let a guy throw four or five punches as hard as he could at me, and I would just roll and defend, and I would look up, and probably about the third or fourth punch, you could feel the sting coming off them. You're he's like, tired. Oh, he's tired. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I realized that he's got his hands nice and wide, and he's getting ready to throw that big bonk he's got no power left in there, so he's just wide open. I go whap right down the center. He dropped like a law. That was my claim to fame yeah. as a bar fighter, just waiting for them to get tired. <laughs> and then I went to David Lee's club in uh, Kelowna figured I'm the shit because I'm winning all these <laughs> yeah. bar fights everywhere and I go in there against guys that have like six months experience I would ask guys like so how long you been doing this for and they're like oh like six or seven months I'm like I got your number <laughs> so stupid because this guy that I'd fight at the bar has 20 30 seconds worth of energy and I think that's the norm for most adult men that if they were to throw six good punches they'd need to rest for a day really okay oh for sure I'll take you downstairs I got some heavy bags we'll throw gloves on you you could probably go a lot further but it takes not a hard t- it wouldn't be hard it's ton like, of energy just light tap 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 <laughs> for three hours yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you have a speed bag down there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but uh, and then I go against David's guys in the club with six months experience and they just don't get tired like they'll fight for 15 minutes or 20 minutes at at uh, a regular pace not full out but very very quickly i realized oh this is not going to go well and these guys dummied me for six months mm. 
everything I tried, of course, you know, your meathead, you're trying to knock them out. You're trying, and they're like, if you hit me hard, I'm going to hit you hard. And they were way better than <laughs> I was. So I got my ass uh, handed to yeah. me for months no on No doubt, end. hey. Yeah. I think that's the cool thing about mixed martial arts is that you do have those combination of styles. I think as someone that doesn't know much about it, watching it is like you appreciate the fact that like, even when the UFC was like, I like it much better than back in like when UFC won first. Right. It was just like yeah. street fighting basically, but you get the disciplines are so cool to watch, like a, a stand-up guy versus a like Khabib against McGregor. Beautiful classic it's, MMA fight. It's not necessarily like super fun to watch, like a but like technically, you probably appreciate that more than I do. But yeah. that, like that just shows you like how it's. It's not the the big striker guys aren't always going to be the, the the winners. The evolution has been amazing. So if you look back to um, Hoist Gracie in the first three UFCs, where he dominated everyone pretty much, um, and you look at him from a technical standpoint compared to the UFC guys today or even just jiu-jitsu guys today, and at best he was like a blue belt, like mm-hmm. compared to the guys nowadays. And actually, there's a lot of. Um, uh, high-ranked jiu-jitsu guys that are throwing away their black belts and going back to their purple or their brown belts going, yeah, this has evolved so far. I'm no longer a black belt. You got to go back. I need to step backwards and relearn what I'm doing and, and move back forward again because it's evolving that fast. Yeah. That over the last, what is it, 25 years or 24 years that it's been out there that, uh, yeah, that these young guys coming up have just figured out better ways of breaking down people and new techniques and setups, and it's it's incredible. Crazy, yeah. crazy. So much fun. Yeah. You should give it a go. There's uh, some local clubs I think you'd have fun. To... I just don't want to get punched in the face. Do jiu-jitsu. <laughs> I'm telling you, jiu-jitsu's the way. Yeah. Not that I have anything to lose look-wise. Like, you can hit me in the face, it'll be fine, but I don't know, man. It's just... Yeah, everything's Chick's good. Chick stick scarves, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll have a lot of them, I guarantee you that. Yeah. Oh, man. Very cool. Um, a lot of the, what we talk about on the podcast is is about being a dad and some of our mentalities. And you talked about mental health and, and how much of what you do as a dad is is looking out for your kids' mental health and making sure they're exercising and you know, low, uh, I just had a battle with my son over um, screen time. Mm. And so I said, well, listen, I'm going to give you the best opportunity you can. Go find studies that show I'm the big jerk and I'm stealing your future away because I'm giving you uh, not enough screen time. And he gets a lot, yep. a lot. Yeah. So much so, I think I'm a bad dad. <laughs> so I give him the night to study. I ask him this morning and he just comes up, gives me a big hug and says, thank you for the time. <laughs> he knows that he gets a lot more than most kids do so what was sort of your perspective on that yeah it's that's a good one because i think two things oh i think a few things but like on one hand there's this whole you think about when we were kids and like what our parents says like you guys like you know like your stop parents, watching tv yeah get, watch well, stop brain. watching the cartoons like you're gonna your eyes are gonna freeze that way and like whatever right and so in a way i want to be i try to be careful that i like here's the reality is that your kids my kids my younger i have three the younger kids for sure even my oldest they don't have signatures because they don't need them. Right. You don't need to learn how to spell, like, write with cursive or whatever. Yeah. Because you don't need it. You're going to have yeah. thumbprint. You're going to have retina scanning. You're going to have all these ways to authenticate. So we also have to realize that the technology that's there isn't evil. Right. And so we have to allow our kids to sort of use it. But I think it's about using it for good. Yeah. And so um, I think there's a, there's a healthy balance of not sort of being like, you know... Um, get off your phone or get off your thing. Like, yeah, it's, it's, there's a healthy balance there. So 
I try not to get too like we we set limits for sure like on like timelines like I love like my my kids all have Apple products so you yeah. can go into the Apple products as as a in the family accounts so you can like put hours on there now oh wow one of the upgrades I didn't so know that. yeah so my youngest I can turn his like all I can like only have certain apps available to him after like say eight o'clock at night so okay. he can have his alarm he can have like uh, I don't know like certain apps that I know yeah. is not like going on to like. Candy Crush and he's laying in bed at eleven o'clock and like going like cross-eyed, right? So like it, it's really cool and you can kind of see their screen time and stuff. And so I've had a few times where, like, the, I think the scarier thing is just trying to protect your kids because it's so easy to get into some really nasty stuff. And my yeah. like my youngest got a PlayStation Four this this year, and you know his buddy's like, oh, you got to get yourself a YouTube channel and set this up and do this. Next thing you know, he's got a Gmail account and he's getting all this really bad spam coming in. It's like, yeah. whoa, dude. And like, I, we try and stay on top of it. So it's more about like trying to protect them. Yeah. But it's so hard because... I think when I grew up, I realized my parents lied a lot. Mm. Where like, well, if you do this, it's going to rot your brain. If yeah. you don't, right? And and they just didn't really know. Where I don't want to be that kind of dad. So when I say something to him like, I need you to do these activities instead of the computer. And then he gets all mad at me because for him, there's computer time and then everything else is just stuff that takes away from computer time. And I'm yeah. trying to get him out of that that mentality and encourage him to be um, just more well-rounded. I'm not against the computer at all. I'm not against electronics. He does coding. He does YouTube. He, you know, he, he's mm-hmm. very well-versed, um, probably more so than he should be for his age, which is great because that's what the future is going to be. The more he understands, the better it is. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to spend every waking hour on it and never exercise, don't eat properly, hygiene, have some social time outside the computer. Go find a friend that you can talk to and and complain about your dad to. That kind of stuff, it has to happen. And so uh, I think that's the big change that I see is that kids... They, like like when we were kids, like and I don't want to sound like back when we were a kid, like <laughs> but really like kids nowadays, like in some ways they don't really like socially like like you. Like, I remember getting and going like I would like kids would like I go to my buddy's house. Hey, can buddy come out and play? Like yeah, okay, yeah. we we'll just be home for lunch or supper or whatever. Like you'd be gone, you'd be busy. My kids are content. Like if I didn't harass my kids in the summertime, go do something yeah they could literally sit on the xbox like all day like for eight hours they could put an eight hour shift in it's like what like i just i can't imagine why you'd want to do that no like I it's not good for you man like you've got to get out and like you say exercise and even like my kids are socially well sort of like rounded but at the same time like get out there and talk to people right. hey like i don't know do you do you do any gaming at all i do a little bit yeah. um I've I used to play Call of Duty all the time. Okay. Like before like my wife and I were like big gamers. Like I I was a gamer growing up as a kid, like Sega Genesis and playing yeah. like NHL ninety four <laughs> and all these games and like oh my gosh, Nintendo and all these like all the classic stuff. And so I, I still played a little bit and I when we got older I got an Xbox and so I started playing Call of Duty. Yeah. I don't know how many years ago that would have been, probably like ten years ago when it first started coming out or more. Yeah. 
And we started, my wife and I would like literally put the kids to bed when they were like babies. We'd go like fire up Call of Duty. We had a couple of buddies. We'd get online and we'd be like playing like Call of Duty. Yeah. And I was really, I was actually okay. And now I go in there, like I get my ass kicked like in third. Like I just like, yeah. I, I feel like a grandpa. I'm like, okay, I'm on the map. It's like, I'm dead. Where, like, it's like, okay, let me start. I'm, I'm respawning. I'm dead. It's like, yeah. how did that guy jump and like snipe me from across the map? And I'm like, just barely spawning. It's like, this is stupid. I'm not playing this game. This is dumb. So I don't play as much. I play NHL hockey online. Yeah. I'm still okay with that. Yeah. They still allow like the classic controls. <laughs> I set classic controls and I play online. I can still beat my kid at nice. that's my that's my barometer. As long as I can still beat my 18 year old at yeah. NHL like EA, EA Sports, I'm still good. So like he can't beat me, so it's good. That's my only game. Okay. I I, I played when I was younger. Atari, um, oh, yeah. uh NES, uh, Super Mario Brothers. Yes. You know, those those were fun games. Tyson Fight Night, do you Tyson, play that? Yeah, I remember They're yeah. bringing that back. Do you see that? I heard, yeah. <laughs> that was so good. Did you hear that Tyson owns a marijuana farm? Forty four hundred acre farm. He's growing pot now. That's his new business. That's that makes sense. It does. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense. It's good business to <laughs> yeah, be in. No doubt. I have a buddy that owns a dispensary in uh, Calgary, and I was talking to him, and I think they sold like, it was, I'm trying to remember if it was 15 or 75 pounds. Let's say it's 15, because even that's a tremendous amount. Opening day, 15 pounds a pot. That's insane. It blows my mind. It's I yeah, I haven't I've just I've been I've been aware of it, but I have yeah. like it's just you can see how much there's a lot of money probably even made. For the other, sure. The other day I was on a run and I was out behind like in co- like behind co op and stuff, South Airdrie. Yeah. And um I was running along the pass there and it was like a it was like one of those like it's a bench and there's like a little sign of like the oh, mar- yeah, yeah. you can right beside Mountain uh daycare. They're allowed yes. to smoke pot there. That's the only place in town you're allowed to. Yeah. And there's yeah. like I'm like, Oh, that's random. It's, they put it right next to a child kids care. place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that was brilliant. Yeah, that's that's to bring the population there. Yeah, okay, that's good. Hopefully, it's all downwind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the kids go home like the munchies yeah, and tired, yeah. and whatever. Classy. <laughs> So yeah, I used to play all that stuff when I was younger. Then my son got into it and he wants me to play. And I tried and that's it. I cannot do nothing on those I games. Know. I'm 10 minutes in and I'm like, dude, if you beak off at me one more time, I'm going to pummel you. <laughs> yeah. You want to see how up. tough you are? I'll <laughs> yeah. show you how tough. <laughs> We're going to turn this game up. Yeah. Oh, I know. And it's like Fortnite is the big thing now, right? Right. Does your, yeah. does your kid play Fortnite? I think he was on to it for a little bit and he's on to some car soccer mm. game or something like that. See, the interesting thing about Fortnite that I find, I haven't really... It's like a first shooter game, right? Kind of, but it's not as good as like Call of Duty. And I okay. I, I just, I've sort of, like my t- kids show me one time, but what's interesting about it is that it's, my daughter is playing it. Okay. And she's not a gamer at all and her friends, but because the, there's that social online sort of oh, like, okay. every, all your buddies like are on. Chats, yeah, uh, it's, it's less about the... I think the true gamers probably don't really think Fortnite's all that awesome. Okay. But it's more of the social, I don't know, it's kind of like it's kind of like a Pokemon. Yeah. Two summers ago. Oh, when you were tracking down all your Yeah, yeah like the Pokemon yeah. Go whatever that was, you had to yeah. get all your like Pokemon. I never did it. Oh my. I remember it was actually on the run. It was a lady, we were at a campsite. And we stayed in like these RV parks because we wanted to have Wi-Fi because we had all this media stuff we had to do and I remember sitting in this one camp and there's like literally like a 60-year-old lady with her phone going around the camp, like Pumping she's looking trees. for Pokemon. Get out of my stall! Like, what are you doing? <laughs> You're 60 years old. Like, that's it's, too it's just funny. So interesting how people get sucked into that stuff. I think everything has the the ability to be addictive in life, and most definitely video games, right? The flashing lights and everything else. Oh yeah. 
Running, most definitely. We've seen people run themselves to death, mm-hmm. literally run themselves yeah. to death because they get addicted to it. Diets, fads, all this kind of stuff. There's, There's got to be a balance where you can play, you know, say get home from work and play an hour of video games, go do your workout, get a good meal in, you know, talk yep. to your... You know, some kind of balance inside there. Yeah. I can't get into the video games, you know, and maybe I lean too much towards business than I should. I I don't know. There's got to be a balance. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that, though, because I think there's a bit of a, the the whole notion of finding balance. Yeah. I I don't think you can have perfect balance very often. Right. I I think, to me, balance isn't all like you got to have everything perfect. Sometimes you have to lean hard in one direction. Yeah. And then you bring it back, and like, like it's kind of like you can't always be perfect in everything. And there's more this, like juggling than balance. Yeah, like sometimes you're going to lean hard at work because you have yeah. to, and, and then then you're going to lean hard on like relaxing and chilling out. Like yeah. sometimes you get this real nice, but I think there's almost this sort of we sell ourselves in this idea that everything has to be perfect around us. There's no stress. It's yeah. great. And, you know, like, and we'd say, no, sometimes you have to, it's kind of what we were talking about earlier, is like the only time you develop and grow is when you're stressing, like when there's, we're placing stress on something, yeah. things change. Absolutely. And sometimes you have to do that intentionally, like when you can do it with intent, and that's a lot better than being forced, forced into, into it. it, right? So, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's interesting to find, like, I don't know, like this whole balance is a bit of a... I don't know. I guess BS, in my opinion. I don't think there is such a thing as balance. I th- you know, balance is bad. You're, you're totally right. You've got to be able to dig deep when you're down in those valleys and get to the top of that hill again. At the top of the hill, you got to take some time to relax. And mm-hmm. So is that your full-time job coaching? That's, yes. That's what you do now? Yeah. And you do that just here in town? You do like online stuff? Yeah. that's I do coach locally and... Um, I I worked for I was working for the banks for twenty I was twenty two years in a bank and so okay. just this past year um, I left the bank and I'm, so I'm doing this full time now and so my what I've been working on in this last several months has been building my online business cool because um, that's how I'll be able to scale yeah. so I've been building like and one of the things I've I sort of learned over the years as being a running coach is one of the biggest demographics that really need the most help are people that are just learning to run. And right. it's it's kind of people that are like 35, 40 years old. Yeah. Just, you know, you're kind of at that stage in life, like it's it's an easy thing to get into. Like your kids are kind of old enough that you can kind of refocus back on your own health. But people that are just learning, especially as an adult, you don't, it's it's not as easy as just lacing up the shoes and running. There is so, and I've found over the years, there's people have so many questions. And so I've been building courses and content and materials that help sort of like kind of, it's, it's, it's not like it's, it's like 10 times more valuable than like a couch to 5k type thing. But there's all these pieces of the puzzle. Like that, if you want to learn to run and become a runner, you have to have all these pieces, and most people don't have a clue. They get an app on their phone. They just start running. They download a free plan, whatever. Run. Yeah, the map yeah. my run, and then you just go. And then he's like, oh, I can't run. I've got bad knees. And no, it's because you didn't build your foundation right. And so I'm too, trying to teach people how to do that because I think you should be able to run at any age. age. Yeah. Some people have legitimate, like, physical, you know, things that they just can't run. But for a lot yeah. of people, it's like, no, you just, you're not doing it right. And um, so we help that's what that's sort of the programs and then i work with the um, people like that are fairly elite as well that are training for you know more serious events not Very that cool. those aren't serious but you know we're, we're trying to like win races for example yeah that kind of stuff so uh, i was uh, i grew up um doing track throughout school i was a really good runner um uh but one of the things that i noticed that my coaches taught me back then like cadence was a big thing yeah. um posture all that kind of stuff your breathing those were all good things they taught me 
but they taught me to run heel to toe. Yeah, so, so bad. Right? And yeah. now I'm out running and I'm trying not to do that. Yeah. So is it literally just forcing yourself up on the balls of your feet and just not letting those heels touch? Is that the, the kind of the purpose? Because yeah. the few times that I've tried that, holy done, has that changed the it's, activity level? Well, it's new muscles are, are being engaged too. And so the challenge is that, in the, and you, you're different in the fact that you've got some background in running for example like if you've like a track kid for example coach, yeah. you'd have some experience but 80 to 90 percent of the population and 80 percent of the people i work with have never really been taught how to run right and natural and running is a, is i would say running is the, one of the most natural human movements that yeah. people are not naturally good at yeah because we've never been taught we figured out as kids we you know you play sports you don't whatever you figured out how to run some people are a little bit more naturally but good at it, but then you start to, you put it into the application of like trying to run a 5K, 10K, half, whatever, like this more distance. When you're not running efficiently, then all of a sudden that's when injuries start to happen. Right. Because there's the repetitiveness of these muscles you're not using ever in yeah. your day. Like 95% of the time you're not using these muscles well. The second thing is that most people have really bad posture because we sit at computers, we sit on our iPhones. And when we're running, we want to be nice and tall and like chest out, like really good posture. And the second you don't do that, that's when you start, it degrades. And, and you're, you're immediately, when you're running, I can see people like, we just make little changes to people's strides. Like it yeah. changes the whole game for people. And so most people don't have great posture. So that, you know, if you don't, you start there and you, you can, but most people don't even think about that. They just go running. It's like you get a couple weeks in and it's like, I can't run. I got bad knees, or my back hurts, or hamstrings. Something's pulled, pulled or yeah. yeah. It's like so. My my passion is to teach people how to do it properly because you can. Anybody can learn how to run, right? And stay with it if you have all of the right things. Like I remember when I tried to start. Like when I started running, I ran a little bit in school and cross country, and then it wasn't until I got into my early twenties that I got serious about running as an adult. And I I kind of did the classic thing where I just started to run. Every day, it's like, well, I'm gonna go run, and then tomorrow I'm gonna try and run a little bit further, and then the next day maybe a little bit further, and 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 I didn't buy good shoes. I just bought, I literally, I remember going to Walmart and buying. Do you remember stupid the, Walmart? The stupid Walmart. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I was young. I didn't have a lot of money at the time. I was like, I need something, so I went to Walmart, bought the starter brand shoes, yeah, yeah. the ones that are probably tied together. And <laughs> idiot. And I bought these shoes, and I started. I was like, okay, I'm gonna start running. And I ran a little bit every day. And the first time I tried to run, I couldn't even make it on the block. I was like, I'm a, I'm a young guy. It just killed me. <laughs> How come I suck so what bad at this? What is going on? I remember being good in school. And so then, you know, you a little bit more each day. And then you finally get, like at the time, I remember like I, I used my car to map out a 3K route. Okay. I didn't have a running no watch. App. No, no apps back then. <laughs> I took my car and I used like the, the, the measuring on my car, right? And I was like, okay, that's my 3K loop. And so then I would run that. And I eventually got to the point where I could run that. And then... Then I reverted to the microwave as my timing. I'd go look at my microwave before I left the house, check the time, rip out the front door, <laughs> do my three Ks, run back in, and sometimes even yell at my wife, "Hey, what's the time the microwave say?" That was like my whole. That was my whole training. It's like, okay, I ran it like a minute faster today, and that was. And but it's uh, funny, but in some ways, like that's how people train now. Is like they just yeah. go well it, further, faster is the best way to is your progress, right? Yeah. And that's the trap with running. Is like, no, that's not the best way to train yourself you're gonna get hurt and what happened to me was that classic thing is like you get three or four weeks in you're like i'm feeling pretty good all of a sudden he's like oh my knees are starting to be hurting yeah and then all of a sudden you're limping around and you can't run and people then you go to your family doctor they say stop ice it stay off it which is bullshit and I then agree. and then you're 
you're back to square one, and people just go, I can't run. I'm not a runner. It's stupid. I have bad knees. It's dumb. I Every hate running. Every human being was designed to run. Yeah. So I started uh, this summer to get longer runs. I would do in- intermittent running. Mm. So I would run for two, three minutes at a good pace, and then I would stop and walk for yeah. 30 seconds to a minute, and then I'd run again and just keep trying to work that to get my cardio back up into yeah. place. So is that part of the... The, uh, the thing I tell people is that your leg or your lungs will develop faster than your legs. Oh, okay. So what'll happen is, and where most people get into trouble is that your cardio, although people don't agree with me for the first week or two, is like your cardio will develop quite quickly, okay. where your legs won't. Yeah. And what happens is, is that your your lungs will take you further than your body's ready to go. And so people will start running, and they're like, "Hey, I'm starting to feel good. I can go 5k without stopping or whatever." But because we're placing the repetitiveness, we're placing so much stress, like, you know, and you, you get this as an athlete, right? We're, we're constantly breaking down those muscles and repairing them. And there's like massive repetitiveness on very concentrated muscle groups when we run. So if you don't strategically build up that, your body's ability to do that, build up muscle strength, muscle stamina, your cardio will take you way further than your legs will. And I see that so over and over. just end up basically burning your legs out. Yeah. And, uh, All of a sudden, them. something sore, hurting. And because you take that and you add it on to the fact that most people are not great at running, sadly to say, like uh, literally eight out of 10 people that I work with are not, there's something wrong with their running stride. Yeah. Not that it's like they're running like Phoebe from Friends, <laughs> if you ever see that. Yeah. But like, like I can watch, and my kids, I drive my kids nuts and they're actually, they chime in all the time too. When we drive around town, they're like, okay, dad, what's wrong with that guy's running stride? We see some guy like running, like, well, he's got to put judge his, hat yeah, on he's, he's got to get his chest out and his shoulders are kind of weird. Look at that arm. And like, and so we're always like, critiquing every everybody nice, in Airdrie nice. that's running around. But the reality is that most people are not good at it. So you have to you have to have a really good training program. You have to build it properly. You have to build the strength, the muscle stamina, not the not just the cardio. Yeah. And then you have to also most people get caught as they don't work on their stride. Yeah. And one of the things I do for people is I do a video stride assessment. Like I take out 4K oh, cameras cool. and I'll videotape people and I'll put together this. It takes me hours to do it, but I love it because they're so powerful. I'll take somebody. And I'll, sh- I'll put this video together for them, and I'll show, like, every angle, foot strike in, like, super slow-mo, and show them and say, hey, see this, that see this, so see cool. this. And they go, I had no idea. Yeah. You and feel like Phoebe. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> so if we just fix that right there, that will change the entire game for you. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, why didn't I? It's like, so it's little. It's so I always say, a lot of times it's like um, golf swings. Yeah. Like, I t- kind of tell people, like, especially if you've ever learned to golf as an adult, like it's not natural. No, like, no, no. And so odd. some people just figured out how to hit the ball. And it's like, if, you, if I was a golf pro and you came to me and you're like aiming like 45 degrees right, and it's like you got this big <laughs> snap hook, like I'm going to work on, like I'm not going to work on your stance, your shoulders, your back, your da 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 Like we might just work on the grip to start. Yeah. And then let's work on that for a little bit. And then we'll kill. One little step at yeah, a time. We're not going to be trying to get it down the middle. Yeah. The, so that's the same thing I try and do with running is we try and make little adjustments yeah. if you build that off of like a real smart program. And most people don't have a very smart program. So very that's cool. that's what I'm trying to build for people online. Is, that sounds awesome. Let me teach you how to do this because yeah. I know running will change your life. I guarantee for it. For sure. And so that's that's my whole purpose. I, uh, I just recently went and got one of those sports watches that uh, tracks everything, your sleep, your heart rate, your everything. So one of the things that the reason why I got it was heart rate variability. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you know about yes. this? Yes. The, the, the space between the beats, basically, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So they... they HRV. They measure, 
Yeah, they measure the variability between that. And that tells you a lot. And I haven't quite got it fully figured out yet. But from what I understand is based on where the variability are, will dictate what type of workout you should have that next day. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a group of MMA, MMA fighters that do this. They sit down and they put all these monitors on and they do a four-minute assessment. And then that tells them what they get to do for the rest of the day. Uh, Henry Cejudo, uh, the, the, the 125-pound champ right now, is doing this at length. And he says, I've gotten so much stronger, so much faster, and so much uh, better at recovery when I just follow the heart rate variability. Mm -hmm. So knowing that, okay, so I did a massive workout on Monday. Tuesday, I woke up, had my magnesium, felt a little bit shot. I checked my variability, and it was off the charts bad. Like I Mm -hmm. got a one star according to the watch. I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe today I won't do a really big workout. I'll go and um, uh, do yoga. So that's what I did. Went and did a night of yoga. Turns out that was more than that one star. (laughs) So Wednesday I woke up and I felt like a bag of crap. And then uh, today I feel better. Uh, If we weren't doing a podcast, I'd be at the gym. (laughs) Um, So do you use heart rate variability? Do you know? know, It's actually, it's something I'm just starting to learn. Actually, one of the athletes that I train, uh, his name's Kevin, and he started, he's using that. Okay. Because, and I'm, because the old school thinking is sort of your resting heart rate. Right. It was always, and it's, it's still, there's still benefit to looking at, like using your heart rate in training purposes. Like, so we'll, tr- we'll train, I'll train people with heart rate um, to, to assess like how hard are you working and like, yeah. and, and also there's power in sort of measuring your heart, your resting heart rate, but the variability is so interesting. So it, it's very, um, like I'm sure you, are you using the app that you can get for yeah. it? There's uh, so my phone came with, or my thing, it's called the H band app. Um, I can show you here on my dashboard. So you can scroll through that. It tells you yeah. your steps, how you sleep. If you scroll right down to the bottom, it should have your uh, HRV yes. in there. Yeah. And it's only measuring my HRV when I'm sleeping, gotcha. not throughout the day. Yeah. And I think that's what most people are realizing is beneficial is that we, we take a look at that HRV uh, as we sleep throughout the night and it tells us how close our body is to recovery, basically, mm-hmm. based on if you, So if your heart rate is very... Um, can I open this and see, show you? Yeah, so it gives you this little kind of scale, and then it gives you these ratings as far as mm. all the different things that it measures with your variability. And so I get a big old uh, one-star on heart rate change or a two-star on, like, saying that you're, cool. not, you're not fully recovered yet. Yes. You uh, So when I get a good night's sleep and they're all fives, the next day my training is amazing. Like, I yes. feel strong, I feel fast, I feel um, all the good stuff about training. But when I've got a one or two-star, I'm like, oh, just dragging my ass no, around well, all day long. And it's interesting because it's there's a lot of power in that. And, and if you, like... Your your body's ability to recover that's half the battle. If you're yeah. and and so like I know the one the one that's different than the one app that um that I've seen, but the one that the, my friend Kevin is using it like you you put some inputs into it as well. It's like did you drink beer last night? Did you like mm-hmm. what are some of the other variables yeah. that start to factor in? And you can start to learn from oh okay so I did this maybe I had a really hard workout but I also ate really shitty last night too and now all of a sudden like today like 
I'm like dying. So right. maybe today's not the best day to be putting another hard workout in. Maybe it's a recovery day or, you know, like yeah. when you start getting to that level, like that is super smart. Like, I think for me, I, I heard all the fighters do it. So anything the fighters do, I'm yeah, like, oh, I want to do gospel. that. I, <laughs> it's got to be true. Um, and that's what I, I don't get to enter it on this app, but I, I, because I record everything that I eat and drink, yes. then I get to look back. I'm like, well, I didn't work out last night. Why do I got a yeah. two star? I'm like, oh, because I had half a bottle of whiskey with my friend yes. and my body's going that'll do it <laughs> wrecked myself it's actually quite day. helpful like uh, the the one app that that my friend is using like I can see like in the training software I use it actually syncs to it so I can see in his mm. calendar going hey what's going on here Yeah, why did you drop oh okay like maybe this workout was too yeah. heavy or maybe he was dumb the night before or just right. not getting good sleep or super stressed yeah. or whatever like there's so many variables that most people don't think about yeah. um like i i used to i don't do it all the time but i would for for weeks and weeks on end especially when i get into really heavy training cycles i'll get up and you like your resting heart rate it's very telling because typically i'll get up in the morning it'll be like low 40s holy my, dino that's yeah, pretty that's, good that's the runner heart right like so yeah. like i'll be like 43 44 beats a minute when i get up in the morning yeah. most mornings but if you get up one morning all of a sudden it's like 60 it's like whoa what happened there why yeah why is it 60 all of a sudden it's like oh yeah right or i slept like whatever there's lots of reasons why it's like maybe maybe you need to adjust or maybe you should right. just take a day off because i think for so many people we're so we use like that's one of the addictive sort of pieces like of you know people that get into working out and stuff sometimes you need to just listen to your body yeah and the best thing you can do is recover and rest because rest days and recovery is actually part of a program. I try and oh, tell people 100%. that is if you have to treat a rest day as because that's when you make that's when your body adapts is when you're resting. Right. And most people like more 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 more. Yeah. Push 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 no pain Viking, no gain. Warrior yeah, mentality. Like, you're and, dumb like you got to yeah. you got to let your body recover and if you the more in tune you are with your body the the better it's going to perform for you. Yeah. And so I think the you know most people aren't going to be at that sophisticated of a level as you are but even just like paying attention yeah. to like well like well this is a thing that i i think about all the time you know i've got friends that you know eat pizza and cake and beer and you know they're they're in the shape that they're in for the most part if you ask them, like how you doing I'm like oh, i feel pretty good Dude, you have no idea what good feels like. Yeah. When I yep. cut sugar out of my diet, when I, um, like, like I said, moved to these Zevias yeah. and, and completely eliminated sugar other than what's in food out of my diet, um, I now hardly drink at all. Maybe on a, a special UFC night, have a couple of drinks or a special occasion or whatever. But I feel pretty stinking amazing all mm-hmm. the time. The only thing that knocks me off my game is I do something stupid training yeah. and I'm sore for a couple or today I fell on the ice <laughs> in front of a bunch of people too so there's the old guy falling yep. out of his truck you fall a lot in your stories I've fallen and I can't get up yeah <laughs> oh man I think that yeah that's that's the thing right there's not enough people I, I maybe go excessive in tracking like I track all my food I track everything I drink the amount of water I track my heart rate I track all that stuff but with the goal as lofty as I have you have to. How how do you get to those goals without doing those things? What, how, what gets measured gets done. That's right. How, so, how do you get to be a marathon runner if you're not tracking how many miles you do, how often you're doing it, how your body feels, hundred percent, what man, you're like, fueling it with? Yeah, and you that's know. you know like that's just it. Like and and it's what you what you choose to focus on is like is what you'll bring. Like, yeah. So it's yeah, it's not hard. It's but and then you can also get like like almost 
analysis paralysis. It's like, oh you yeah, know, so well, some people, yeah, <laughs> some people get like so deep into the weeds on that, and like, and I, I've fallen into that trap sometimes too. Where it's like, sometimes it's just a matter of there's there's that fine line. Like, I, I think it's important for like even like we're talking about like my fitness app, or like just track your calories, for example. So it's an eye opener. It's like I can't lose weight. Well, let's let's check your calories. Oh, yeah. yes, you could. <laughs> you guy could. You could. So it's like you start to focus on that, and then, and then sometimes I think people just you have to listen to your body. And yeah. the more the more you listen, the more you. I think those apps and and using sort of the analytics is so powerful because it starts to open your eyes to what's going on and and how your body works. Yeah. With itself, versus people like. I just don't feel like working out today. No, it's because you're lazy and you need to just get up and do yeah. something. Like you, there's a difference between that versus like being so in tune with your body. It's like, and being, I, I always have to say to myself, turn your ego off, turn your ego off, turn your ego off. That's very powerful. You have to, because yeah. you have to like, no, I just have to take a day off today. I have to rest. I can't, or even if I'm out for a run, for example, and I, there's a bunch of people and I like, I should run a little faster. It's like, no, just shut up and just, just slow down. Like, <laughs> This is not the goal of the run today. It's just you're supposed to be That's easy right. running. Like so you just have to be you have to be you know, like one of the things I've heard about the Kenyan runners, for example, and they're some of the most elite runners in the world. For sure. They they don't use all these tools and science and stuff. They just listen to the like, I don't feel like running today. Yeah. And so they don't run. Yeah. And that works for them, but they're so in tune. There, there's so much where the ego gets involved. The, oh, man. Henry Cejudo is just talking. He goes, it just felt like if you didn't do more the next day, you were a loser. Exactly. Like you just, you, you weren't performing. You're not a warrior. You're not a fighter. Yeah. You just have to do more. And in this camp, he did half the workouts that he did, but he got twice the results. Yeah. Not saying that sitting on the couch for um, half the week instead of exercising every day is the way to go, but tracking and go, well, how do I feel? And right. okay, next time the gym i'm not going to push that hard and that's yeah. that's a big one for me pushing and weights. most people don't know that what that limit is like yeah. one of the things i teach people when i train them to run for example is is the goal of any workout for a for a run workout and any workout for that matter is to get the most amount of adaptation with the least amount of stress okay so we want to stress our body like you have to stress yourself to get adaptation yeah but we want to get we want to get the most adaptation with the least amount of stress so if you push like we all have that to a point where it's like you can only get so much benefit out of a given workout so there's no point in working beyond that it's just adding risk to you right so what we try like in running for example ways we control that is with pace uh, heart rate intensity like yeah like there's this point of like you can get the same benefit by working at 75 percent than if you'd work at 90 percent with less risk yeah so that's kind of how we try and train people that are running is like but if you don't understand that concept you get sucked into this no pain no gain it's gotta hurt get out there don't be a win like that's it's just stupid and you're just i'll talk to you in four weeks when you give up and it's funny because over the years like i'm starting to build my business to a place where i can be a little bit more fussy with who i take on locally as a client nice not to be a jerk but it's just like i can tell the people that are going to stick with it yeah and the other people that are that are not. Yeah. And for them, I've, I've been surprised very rarely, but every now and then someone comes along and I'm like, you know, you're not going to last. Yeah. And they stay actually find something and they stick with it. But nice. for the most part, I can, I can tell people's yeah. mindset of, of, are you going to stick with it? Cause it's going to punch you in the face eventually. <laughs> yeah. You just have to know it's, you're not, it's not going to be fun. Well, as a business owner, you don't want to have a bunch of failures no, as your clients, yeah. right? My, my wife, like I said, holistic nutritionist for uh, Simply for Life and her boss tells her, don't sign everyone that comes in here. Yeah. 
we want winners in here. We want achievers in here. Exactly. We want people that, are, and I'm lucky. I'm going to have her boss, the owner of Simply for Life, on the podcast in a mm. couple of weeks. So I really want to dig deep into that because, yes, for me, trying to figure out how to get people excited about uh, life goals. Uh, you know, this podcast is called "I Want to Know" because that's one of the things I really want to know. I see someone like you that are achieving great things, and we had Nick Ring on here. He's a UFC fighter, mm-hmm. and psychologist. They're brilliant people doing hard work but why 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 are you doing it like how do we get the general population to get excited and to go out and just do something every day yeah and it's interesting because i don't think not everybody um you can't teach that right you can't teach drive and you can't like i always find it interesting and and you, the drive and like why do you like why do you get up and do that why do you put yourself through that like some some of that's just like you have it or you don't. And so for people to come to me and go, I need someone to hold me accountable and just give me shit every time I step up, like, then I can't help you. Right. Because I'm not going to be, I, I'm not a cheerleader. You're not the David Goggins that's going to go yell at him and get him out of bed. No, I'm not a drill sergeant. Like, I will absolutely motivate you and I will be there when you need me to, like... Celebrate the win. Yeah, like, and... I'll, I'll, I'll hold you to task. But, yeah. but if you need someone to, like... If you're accountable to, if someone else has to be the guy that gets you fired up every day, then you need to check yourself. Like, I, I definitely play that role, but that's not my primary role. And I've, I've actually turned down people that are like, I just need someone to really, I, they just want to give me money to have a, to say they have a running coach. Like, no, nah, I don't want that. Like, right. if you, and let, I know you're not going to stick. <laughs> and I've like, I've, I've had to fire people. It's like, no, I'm sorry. Like, I just don't feel good about because you're not getting the full value out of me and I'm not feeling yeah. good about what you're doing. So That's I've had people like, I lay out this plan, like they don't do it. It's like, well, then don't, don't, why, why, why? Stop paying me, <laughs> yeah. walk away. What are you doing? Spending money for no reason. Yeah, just take yeah. that money and just put it somewhere else. Like, cause, so I think, I think it's interesting. Um, there's a quote that I always, that for me resonates always, has always resonated to me is that it's, um, oh, how's it go? I'm going to screw it up here, but it's, it's basically is. um, our, we're, it's basically the concept is that it's our we are our greatest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our greatest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. Mm, yes, it is our light, not our darkness, that scares us. And right. I believe that for so many people, it's not what you're. It's not like what you are failing is what scares you. It's what you're. What you're. What's possible for you scares the hell out of you. Yeah, and you're scared to go. I. I like if you make that little shift in your life, if you step out and try and do something, it's that scares you more yeah. than failing. Is like, ooh, I'm capable of so much more, but I'm scared. I'm not going there. I th- I think you nailed it. I think that's brilliant, and where a lot of people are that they they have this time in their life. Well, if I start running, then you know, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be two miles or 20 minutes or I'm going to, you know, it's, it's going to mm-hmm. grow and grow and grow and grow. And like, well, what if mm-hmm. that's, that's a scary, like, I yeah. don't know what, I know what happens on Thursday nights at eight o'clock when I sit on the couch. Yeah, right. Exactly. There's some comfort inside that, yeah. but there's no there's no growth. There's no future inside that. And I think for like, for I, lots of sports are like that, but running especially, you get that sort of immediate or very quickly, you can start to make that connection of, how do you do that? Yeah, what's my, you start to see like your results really quickly, and you're like, yeah. "Oh my gosh, I didn't think I'd even run around the block. Now I can run a five k." <laughs> so you you're, you start to tell yourself, you start to get this really interesting thing happening in your mind of what your potential is. Yeah, and I think that's where people get drawn into running is is that they you can it's very tangible, right? And and you can really make that connection quickly of 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 what you're capable of. And that, I guess I mentioned this earlier is it sort of transcends outside of running is like. 
Yeah. I used to like I, I tend to run more in the middle of the day now, but I used to be a five o'clock in the morning runner all the time. There's nothing better than starting your day like checking yeah. something off the the list of like I started I started my day with a victory. Like I started yeah. my day on the right frequency of I'm doing something significant. So I yeah. listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson when he talks to people that are in really deep despair or, or um, not in a good place in life. He wants them to start their day with a victory. So it's yeah. just make your bed. I have, just, yeah, exactly. It's such a brilliant thing that. But if you can make your bed every morning. Yeah. Then what can you do after that? And then yeah. all of a sudden you're making your bed, and you're making breakfast. Maybe you're going to go for an exercise. Go do a sit up or a push up and yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, we're coming close to the end of time. So tell people uh, where they can find your book, your movie, your social media. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for asking. Um, uh, probably the best way to go is a couple things. One is on November 23rd here in Airdrie yeah. at Fitzsimmons Brewery. So yes. it's going to be a lot of fun if you haven't been there. Haven't been yet. Oh, it's a great venue. Yeah. So they they look brew local beer, right? Yeah. So fantastic beer. So we rented out the, f- the entire facility. So cool. November 23rd, 7 o'clock at Fitzsimmons Brewery in Airdrie. I'm showing my film, Soul Runner. It's the first time it's been released to the public. I've been yeah. We had to keep it sort of under wraps because we were pitching it out to a bunch of film festivals and so we can't we couldn't show it until now so I'm excited to finally be able to show it um, and so that's that's going to be um, available that's we'd love for you to come out it's like 10 bucks a ticket basically just to help us cover the cost of like renting out the the building Very cool. we just want to we want to get together tell stories and, and share yeah. share the story uh, of this run and so come out to that 10 bucks if you if you track me on my social media it's the best place to go to is legacy endurance yep. um, on either website uh, probably Facebook is the best. So yeah. um, Legacy Endurance on Facebook. From there, you can find my event and perfect. get tickets. I'll um, post it all yeah. in the, uh, when we yeah, upload thank this you as for well. That. I'll make sure that everyone knows. Yeah. Uh, definitely make myself, uh, try to make myself available. I think I'm off that week. So that's yeah. perfect. And there'll be come beer there. Try so some new beer. We'll just come, uh, they yeah. actually have a, a, sorry, side note, but is they have, one of the things I've been, is I'm not a huge beer drinker. I do like my beer, but it's, I've been getting onto sour beers lately. Mm, tried a few. They're not oh, bad. And they're bringing out a fall sour beer at Fitzsimmons, which will be out by the time the film comes out. It's like a cranberry sour with something else in it. It's going to be heaven. I'll have to so. give it a go. My favorite is uh, the Belgian whites right now. Yeah. There's no oh. bad Belgian white. No, there's not. Yeah. So if, if the movie sucks... Just drink some more beer. It'll be good, right? <laughs> well, Ian, thank you so yeah. much for coming thank out. You. I, uh, I appreciate it. We'll definitely have you back on uh, um, if you're willing to come. And A lot of fun. I'll let you know the next UFC event. You come over and drink some yes. beers and watch some fights. There we go. Us. You can educate me on it. All right, everybody. This is uh, Chad with I Want to Know. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, go to our social media. Tell us what you think. Tell us what we need to change. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Thanks, everybody. Good night.